Okay. Okay. Hello. Hello. It's a new week. It's a new week. I am broadcasting from home because it is a it's a book club night. So I like just being uh, home for the double dip so that I don't have to be out too late on a Monday night. But it is session six of what is going to be seven for Lucifer's Hammer. And if you've been reading along, then you know that this one is good. It is crazy and it is more relevant than you may think. I know it's a it's a comet hitting Earth disaster story from the 1970s. But again, the books just make themselves relevant somehow. I don't know. I don't know. And the next one should be pretty relevant, too. We're going to read The Robe by Lloyd C. Douglas. That will start that on Easter week. I love the movie. It's one of, Now it's one of my favorite Easter films to watch. But I've never jumped into the source material, so that's going to be really great. Um, and for those of you who don't know that after that, we're jumping into Dandelion Wine by Ray Bradbury. That's going to be the summertime pick. And then we're doing Neverending Story. Charlie Robinson is going to be on for Dandelion Wine. Then it's Neverending Story with Lindsay Sharman. That's going to be in August. And in October, we are going to be reading Steppenwolf with John Ward. Okay? So October is going to be very, very... We're going to be doing a lot of contemplating in October. There's a lot that's happening in November, as you may know. Who knows? Who knows where it all goes? But Steppenwolf is what's on tap for... For October 2024. Also, if you know or maybe you don't know, I mentioned that we're doing a Saturday night Saturday night broadcast on the 24th of this month. Uh, John Ward is coming in. He's coming into the studio, into the new studio. I think Matt and Anthony will be around. And prior to starting that broadcast, we are going to be filming some stuff with him for a new uh, short film that he's doing. So uh, me, Matt, and Anthony, I think, are going to be playing some roles in there. I don't know what it's all about, or maybe I do. Either way, on the 24th of this month, which is 12 days from now, we're going to have some. We're gonna have a great time with John Ward. It's the first time he's been in the studio since before, before the 2020 election. It's kind of when he said, I got to take a break, shortly after that. Anyway, what are we doing tonight? Well, last night was the, uh, the Super Bowl. I don't know how you guys and gals did, but I did not win anything. I was I, I had some things that were within were, they were within reach, and then it just all kind of went away. I had um, I could have won a thousand dollars in overtime, but it didn't work out my way. My friend Lauren, she won over she had to have won over a thousand dollars. She hit the first quarter. She hit the third quarter and then she hit the final on separate pools so good for her and that's really what it's all about you know your friends some food just something to watch and if you are like us you're 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 viewing everything from a 30,000 foot uh perspective and it's very hard not to 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 get all schizo about things but it's also very easy to see uh the messaging when, it's, when it is thrown out there. Because by and large, it was a very boring game. 
It's a boring game. The the commercials they've fallen flat for so many years now. They just suck. Um, the the performances. I mean, it was nostalgic with uh, with Usher up there, but it but the, the sound. It, everything sounded bad. It just sounded bad. The production end of things. So it was a pretty boring night. The game itself was just shit. Okay, and we're gonna talk a little bit about the. Uh, we're gonna do some de occulting tonight because we're bringing Ryan Gable in. For a short, um, well, you know, it's a short spot compared to what we usually do. He'll be coming on around 7.15. He'll be staying on until about maybe 7.45. And uh, I think that he'll be doing a full breakdown on Ground Zero tonight with Clyde Lewis. So be on the lookout for that because that should be pretty fun. And, of course, of course, the other thing that we have going for us over here is that there is a major snowstorm coming in. A major snowstorm, stormy weather. Anyway, uh, they say, every time they say we're going to get a foot, a half a foot, something like that, we get a dusting, we get a sprinkle, we get a drizzle, and then that's it. All my hopes and dreams are dashed. But it looks like this is for real. So tomorrow night, I will be broadcasting live from here again, and hopefully back to normal uh, at Studio A on Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, Wednesday night being Valentine's Day. And what do we have for Valentine's Day? I need to recruit you all in on something very, very quickly. It's for real. It's very, very for real. And here it is. There's the, the window capture. Boom. On quite frankly.tv, you go to the forum and pinned to the top is a Valentine's Day thread. And I want you guys and gals to get in on it. You have two more days to get in on this. Listen to me. Do it. It is a free forum. Okay. All you need is an email address. Get onto the forum. Get into the Valentine's Day thread. And here's what I'm looking for. I'll be doing this show with Lauren. I don't know if it'll be an early afternoon thing. If we're going to do dinner afterwards or before. Whatever. Um, Valentine's Day. Share your weird love stories. Okay, uh, this is the this is the day where people talk about your favorite love songs, and we've done that before. We talk about love at first sight. We've done that before too. But let's put love at first sight aside for a little bit. Let's talk about love eventually through weird circumstances. How about that? I want to know. I want to know about the strangest love stories that you've got to tell. Weird places, weird circumstances that ever led you to love. And bonus, if it's the love of your life, if it's the person that you spent the rest of your life with or got married to, whatever the hell it is, I want to know your weird, strange love stories. Because we know it's not all, you know, it's not all um, Sleeping Beauty and Prince Philip. We know it's not all that. Sometimes it's just a weird, strange journey. And that's what I want to hear. I'm sure Lauren is going to really enjoy those, too. Um, somebody in the Gilded chat room, when I posted this there and I started drawing attention to this thread, they said, Frank, are you sure you really want to hear my story? I said, if A, it is true, and B, it's not five pages long, then absolutely. Okay? I want to get as many of you guys in on this thread as possible. So give me a couple of paragraphs Get to the best parts. Don't embellish too much because um, the, the phone lines will be open as well. So you can always call in and add a little bit more. But just really give it to us. Okay. So I, I hope you go and jump in on that because we have a couple of days. And it really only takes a couple of days to make a great thread pop off. You know, 
Uh, even if you uh, play for you know a professional football team out there, there's some weird love stories out there. You know, maybe maybe you're a cringy football player who takes a lot of big pharma money, push vaccines and stuff, and you shacked up with a bony blonde poser just in time for another Super Bowl run. Your story could be featured in on here. Okay, so just jump in on that. Let us all know how your life started and how it ended up this way. Uh, other than that, I don't know. I will say one thing about the game last night. Uh, when I was watching, I saw that that cut to the sideline when Travis Kelsey was getting up in Andy Reid's face, and he actually got you know like, like bumped him. I I I I hope he's he's fined a quarter million dollars for that shit. That got me uh, angry, and I don't even know who, who, what are they talking about. It doesn't even matter. You 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 freak. Keep your temper in line. What the hell's going on? That that almost got me as mad as um, uh, Pedro Martinez grabbing Don Zimmer by the head and throwing him down. The old man. And then, of course, I got fact-checked by my parents because I called Andy Reid an old man, and he's younger than my parents are. They checked his age. He's 65. F you. I said, listen. Stack him up to that to uh, you know Andre the Giant over there, with uh, it, it, it's 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 definitely elder abuse. Okay, but um, that's a little bit of that. So I hope you get in on that thread, and I hope I hear a lot of your weird weird love stories coming up soon. Here's a weird one for oh thank you to thank you to my sponsors BlueMonsterPrep.com, and so my so many of my other wonderful wonderful affiliates on quite frankly TV the affiliate section go and check them out please especially blue monster um and quite frankly gold start with the gold and the silver do it up now listen to this one just a little bit of grab bag for you this is from Colin Rugg on Twitter then I had seen this article elsewhere and we've covered things like this in the past Here's a report, 189 dead bodies found rotting in Colorado after pe- after a couple who offered eco-friendly funeral services spent all the money on cars, trips, and cryptocurrency. The bodies were left in an unrefrigerated room infested by bugs. Can you imagine the horror? The horror. Unrefrigerated room, nearly 200 dead bodies. I mean, can you imagine the the cleanup crew? Now we had a, and we have a lot of threads, a lot of different show topics I want to revisit because we just did not get enough of them. One of them was dirty jobs in the vein of Mike Rowe's work. I said, you know, this would be a great call-in topic. I want to hear about the dirtiest jobs that people have had. Uh, And we had one banner caller, one hell of a caller, it was on a Friday night. Matt was in the studio, and we had somebody call and say, "Frank, I was a, uh, a crime scene uh, cleanup guy." And he's talking about thing. Oh, I mean, not a room full of 189 dead bodies, but he was talking about the consistency of you know, you know, scraping up blood and all all that other stuff. That's something we got to get around to. I can't even. I don't even want to know what the people who were called in to clean up this shit are dreaming about the last couple of nights. I don't even want to know. 
and I'm coming down specifically on dreams because that would be a nightmare. Anyway, so that's uh, that's it. It gets worse. The remains the families received were allegedly just bags of mixed concrete and not the actual ashes. When authorities searched the property, the floor was filled with liquid of human decomposition. Oh, my God. The couple, John and Carrie Halford, are both facing more than 200 charges and will be arraigned in March. Despicable people. Indeed, they are. Terrible, terrible people. I hope the crypto was worth it. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine having your 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 loved one just laying there to rot so somebody can go and and buy a 200 shares of Dogecoin? That's great. I'm not blaming crypto on this, by the way. <laughs> Although it was a motivation. If there was no crypto, there might have only been 150 dead bodies in there instead of 189. But um, there you have it. All right. Here's another one for you. Last one before we kick off and get this one really uh, up and started. Headline from Zero Hedge. Squatters. Squatters are taking over homes all over the nation. Did you hear about this? I sure did. Um, On an industrial scale and turning them into dens of crime. Squatting has always been a problem, especially in certain parts of the nation, but now it is happening on an industrial scale over all over America. Thanks to online listings, like, I guess, like Verbo and stuff. No, no, no. Verbo is where you rent. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, where you rent. This would maybe have to be something that's just on the market and stuff. Many states have laws that make it exceedingly difficult to get squatters out once they have settled in. And so, see, what is that? What is that? How is that even possible? States have laws that are making it hard to get people out of houses that aren't theirs. Now, do the houses have no owners? That's the question. Um, if it is it condemned? But it, that is so ridiculous that squatters have rights at all. This is becoming an absolutely massive problem, especially in certain areas of the country. For example, it is being reported that squatters have taken over approximately 1,200 homes in the Atlanta area. That's not across the country. That's one city. Squatters are ruining entire neighborhoods in Atlanta, and police response to evict is so slow, some, some homeowners have resorted to paying nuisances to leave. Can you imagine owning a home, knowing that some vagrants are in there making a mess of the walls. I don't know, whatever kind of dirty shit's going on in there. And you can't get the police to help you fast enough that you have to go in there and pay these bums to leave. Brazen squatters even opened an illegal strip club on the property they had taken over. One of the, 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 the now that's civil rights if I ever heard one. That's a civil right if I ever heard one. The right to take over an unoccupied property that is owned, owned by somebody, but certainly currently nobody's living in there, to be able to take it over and turn it into a strip club. One of the 1,200 homes that had been squatted in in the city, according to the National Rental Home Council trade group, I'd be terrified in Atlanta to leave out one of my properties, says Matt Urban- uh, Urbanski, who manages a local home cleaning company. 
told Bloomberg. My, oh my. That's uh, So here's what I want to ask of you guys. Maybe in the second half when we can take some of your calls, I'll leave this one around. But are you currently squatting somewhere and you're watching this show? I want to know if you're a squatter. Because it seems like every homeless person out there has a fully functional, at least an Obama phone or something. Everybody has a cell phone these days. So you can call in if you're a squatter. I'd like to know why you're doing it and make the case as to why it's a it's the righteous move for you right now. And then if uh, if you are a homeowner or somebody that you're you're dealing with squatters right now, I'd like to hear from you, too. OK. That's 914-200-0269. Write that down. Make yourself a note. I want to hear from you as soon as we get done, uh, finished with Ryan Gable here tonight, which we're going to start in just a second. So let's kick that one off. We will be right back. Share the show far and wide, and we will talk to you on the other side of the intro. You tune in at your own enjoyment because it is the best show since the beginning of time. It has technological advancements and a more sophisticated approach. But like every great awakening that has preceded it, it has one iron rule. Logic is a friend and truth is essential. You are now entering, quite frankly. Now take off your pants. And jacket. stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's run! Okay, so we have a couple of moments here. I know that Ryan Gable is finishing up one show that he was doing, his own show, and he'll be on shortly after that. But uh, I have been looking, first of all, just a little something out there. I have been looking for a follow-up on the, the guy who spewed liters of blood on the plane story. What's going on with that? Because if that doesn't sound like it could be the uh, patient zero story of the year, Man, oh man. So if anybody sees anything as a follow-up to that story, please let me know because it's, uh, you know, people die on planes. It just happens. Uh, high altitudes, a lot of things are more uh, more likely to happen, especially blood clots moving around your body a little bit more. And that's uh, that happens. It does. This is something different. So if you find anything, let me know. It'd be good to have you 
have you contribute to the show. All right, so other than that, I had another thing. Where is it? Where is it? It's from last night. I was starting to put together all of my thoughts about the commercials, but the commercials sucked, and there was nothing really there. I, I think some people, I, I always, the real thing here is that there's no, there's only so many things you can say, and um, and, it, and, and it doesn't work anymore, so people's trying to find new, new ways of, approaching things and it actually just gets into the zone where you're in like idiocracy you know how in, in the movie idiocracy where everything has resorted to just very crude uh fart humor well that, that's what it, it like it's like chaos it's either people try to go poignant and it's it's just it's just pure cheese and it doesn't go anywhere or they try to go absolute circus level crazy chaotic and it, it just feels like idiocracy like you're peering into a madhouse and uh i don't know i have so many things to say about stuff like that i remember i was five or six now maybe six or seven years old first grade second grade tops and i think i might have been i think it was first grade was brought to the auditorium with my class and they had a they had a ventriloquist there somebody with a a dummy and all that stuff. And I remember being the only one, I was looking around at my classmates. This doesn't make me better than anybody else or anything like that. It's first grade. Everybody was loving this puppet. Everybody was loving the ventriloquist. They're loving the jokes that, you know, back and forth. And everybody's just, all, all, every, all the kids in my class were just, were doubling over laughing. And I... I didn't feel like, like, this is stupid. This is beneath me. I just didn't feel anything. Nothing landed. And I I remember forcing myself to try to laugh like everybody else around me. And I it, it just it felt like it was exhausting to try to laugh. Oh, man. Sometimes I feel like that. I don't do the laughing. I don't do the forced laughing anymore. But I feel the, um, I feel that disconnect that I've been feeling since I was six. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe you guys and gals are on the same page with me. And I have to imagine that you are. I have to imagine so. Now, I just saw that Ryan Gable popped into the chat room, and now I don't see him anywhere. So hopefully he tries again. Let me see. The other thing I keep seeing are those, uh, those Jesus commercials. Those Jesus commercials are weird. Dude, they're totally subversive. They're weird. They make no sense. And they're com they're completely. What is it? No offense, but it sounds like some fucking commie gobbledygook. Absolutely, it is ridiculous. I can't stand those Jesus commercials. First of all, they they depress the hell out of me. Okay, and uh, and they're just super, yeah super unsettling, and it makes Jesus seem like a pussy. Sorry, I mean you know, I stay far away from injecting myself into theological debates. I have some, I have thoughts and I have feelings and I have faith that I'm exploring and growing in and asking questions. And, you know, I'm not, um, I don't go in there. I would, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not cut out for the, the debates kind of stuff. I wouldn't be able to, to, uh, you know, explain things or posit any ideas with chapters and verses by my side, but I do know some basics, you know, especially since I was in private religious schools for most of my life. And I do know that Jesus didn't go around washing everyone's feet just because their feet was dirty. 
I know that much. And I did know that there was conditions for salvation. There were pretty strict conditions. Uh, so so it just it's just really pansy-ass, weird, subversive stuff, those, those Jesus commercials. I don't like them. I never have, but they're just getting more and more obvious, you know? We're in, we're in a time right now where even our, even those who are most likely to be defined as friends are not. That's what I see a lot of. Anyway, I don't know where Ryan is now. He popped in and now he's gone. So we'll just keep moving then. Uh, what's the other thing? I wanted to bring up with Ryan King Charles because he he has been following a lot of that stuff. And now we had that uh, that week of cancer diagnosis over there in, in in the UK, and it's been very vague, and nobody knows how serious it is. But uh, you know that's very, that's all tied into a lot of discussion on who may be the Antichrist. You know, for some people, it's not Charles; it's William. So I thought that was interesting. Here's a super chat that just came in from Dooku Dan. Uh, hold on. Okay, uh, Dooku Dan said the Taylor Travis glowy, the glowy manse resonates with normies because it really is cosplay. It's Bluto and olive oil. Bluto and olive oil. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see that. But that's the whole thing. It is very poserish. There's a lot of poser stuff right there. Um, and, and, and of course, you have. You have the, uh, the 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 breakaway society trash. There's so 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 much stuff with the Marxist breakaway society trash. And if you call it out for being Marxist breakaway society trash, the sophists come after you. The people who are so sophisticated and worldly and secular, they come after you with teeth bared because you're just insulting their art. That's what it's all about. Um, they like to just kind of poo-poo you after a while, but everything else is very, very important. It's very symbolic and it's very progressive. You know, the lowest common denominator progressive, they see these goofy things that we all have to pay attention to or that we do pay attention to when we, you know, give some time to these events as art because all of this stuff, this entire message that is posed, that is brought to your face, every time the camera pans to another group of ninnies that are doing something that is, you know, would have been a sacrilege in other eras and is now just a provocative form of, of uh, art or some feminist expression about one thing or another. This is, this is so much of, this is the, the, the foundation of it all. You know, this is all born from the thought that through self-sacrifice and self-loathing, they can elevate oppressed peoples and all that stuff. It's so nutty. And it comes through in a lot of their imagery. And um, and we'll talk a little bit about that tonight. Now, Ryan Gable, who has not been on the show in a while, I think the last time that Ryan and I got together, we were talking about uh, we were talking about um, what Barbie and Ryan, what was the other one again? Oppenheimer. That's probably. right. Barbenheimer. That's the last th that's the last time we got together. Well, anyway, Ryan Gable's an author. He's the host of the Secret Teachings radio show, frequent guest on Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis. I think he'll be on there later on tonight, and he's joining me this evening. It's great to be back with you, my friend. How you been? Yeah, you too. I've been pretty good. I've been having a lot of uh, my time the last couple of days consumed because of the Super Bowl stuff, of course, oh, yeah. uh, for diff different reasons than maybe some people, but 
I've uh, been good. How about you? I've been all right. I have to imagine that you are not the type to buy uh, to buy any kind of you know Super Bowl uh, pool uh, squares or anything like that. You're not you're not you're not doing any of that. No, none of that. None of that. None of that. I mean, it's fun to fun to play around with it, but I don't do any of that. No. Nope. Well, I, I here's the thing I want to ask you about because I know that you're going to have a much larger, more in depth presentation later on this evening. Uh, and you can definitely, and I would love for you to plug that for people to go check out. But in the meantime, um, I, w- I want you to just jump right in, be it halftime show, the game itself, the commercials, anything that really strings together. What were the prevailing themes, the prevailing imagery that uh, you as somebody who has spent a lot of time uh, researching, uh, compiling uh, data, publishing it into books? This is the way that you study the world and you study how civilizations operate in a little bit more of an occult sense so uh go right ahead i'm just gonna leave the floor to you what what did we have cooking last night yeah well i do have an expertise in the occult i've done radio for 14 years professionally for about a decade and i've been doing the super bowl analysis for about that long um before it became popular and certainly before um before it became uh, very trendy not just popular so when i was looking at Uh, the Super Bowl last night, I actually noticed something that was kind of synchronistic or almost coincidental. And that was I had put the game on before it was on about an hour before it was on to uh, Paramount was a Paramount Plus. I think it was Paramount Plus. And uh, I was having internet trouble. And my my TV, my internet froze. So the screen froze on my TV. And there was a CBS NFL logo. And that logo looked different than the other logos that I had scene for the Super Bowl. And I thought it's kind of weird there. They used a different font for the words Super Bowl. Hmm. I don't if you got the uh, link I sent you, I sent you a little file. Do you have that to pull up? I'm going to check it. I'm I'm looking for it right now. Hold on a second. You sent this to me in email. Yes, that's correct. It was like a word file, I believe, is the format. Hold on. The secret so listeners can see exactly what I'm talking about. Where, where did you send it to me? Because I sent you the link. I didn't get anything back. Was that in an email or in a, in a text message? No, it was in an email. I can send it to you again very quickly. Yeah, here. Pl- please do, and I'll uh, I'll get that up on screen while you're while you're walking us through it. Yeah, yeah, sure. So they use you know just usually it's the same font, but for some reason that there was there were NFL CBS. Uh, logos slash promotions and there was one a big banner in las vegas where they had the same font where for super bowl the e and the r in super bowl was changed so it was like a different kind of font and the o in bowl was changed so it was a different kind of font and i just noticed that because my tv my internet froze and this logo comes up it's frozen like right when the camera's zooming out to go to break and it was just frozen there. And I, I was like, what? that's very peculiar. So I just jotted it down on a piece of paper because that was like, I love symbols. I mean, every letter is a symbol. It doesn't have to be a conspiracy. It's just a symbol. So I, I wrote them down because I thought I'd never seen something like that. that's weird. And then when the game was over, where they gave the Lombardi trophy out, there's this, you know, the big purple banner around the stage where they gave the trophy out and the word champions also had the same O from Bowl, from CBS and the NFL, which had a line through it. You'll see, your listeners will see this in just a moment. And the letter C in Champions also had a line through it. Now, you could say, well, that's just 
Maybe there's some random font that just puts lines through C's and O's. I, I don't know. But when I looked up what those symbols were, I, I knew what the circle with the line through it was. It, it's it's phi, P-H-I. It's Greek. It's a Greek letter. And it actually means phallus. And that's not an opinion. That's literally what it correlates to. Um, but it also represents fertility because it's a it's a vertical bar going into a circle. Hmm. A vertical bar going into a circle is, of course, penis going into, you know what, it's the, it's the phallus and the, yon, and the yonic symbol or the yab-yum or the yin and yang. So it's a fertility symbol, and that's what the circle, it's phi. It, now in Greek and in math, it's known as the golden ratio. And the golden ratio is the unfolding of perfection, the unfolding of the divine plan, the numerological, you know, the, the power of numbers, numerological significance of, of creation. You find that in seashells and the human face and things like that. So it's, it's a very important, powerful symbol. Um, and it can be written a lot of ways. It can be a circle with a line all the way through coming out the circle. Uh, it's on there the screen. It's on the screen right now, by the way. Okay, there you go. You see it. And it's actually, I put the Deadpool logo there too, because there's a Deadpool commercial. And uh, that's always been the logo for Deadpool. And it's the circle with the line through it. So you can see there on the screen, for those of you, I assume everybody's watching. Um, I just bolded, you know, the, the text under it there. It's phi. It's the phallus. It's also the breast corresponds to the breast of the body that would be the nurturing you know the milk substance of, of the byproduct of a couple's love and the product of you know sex and fertility and it's the golden ratio you can see it right there and go go look it up for yourself and you know, it's this it's that symbol it's i'm not looking on some weird conspiracy website it's just that's what the symbol is it's a greek it's a greek right and then you have the champions there see that champion banner by the stage, and you got the, the line to the C. Now, we know that is the scent sign. That's very simple to point out. Um, it's Latin, and it means uh, 100, I believe is what the Latin, it's like centus or something like that. It's in the, the picture there. But that particular symbol is also, and this is what I think is, fat. this is really fascinating. This gets us to halftime, actually. That particular symbol that starts the word champions, not only the scent sign, it's also in music, which is very mathematical, and we already got the golden ratio there. Uh, it's also something that means cut time. Now, what is cut time? Well, half time kind of sounds, eh, maybe there's a correlation there. That was interesting. So if you scroll down a little bit there in that article that I sent, this is what I put together. Okay. You can scroll down further than that to the next page. Uh, keep going. Okay. There you go. So, okay, now we're looking at the other uh, Super Bowl logo slash banner. So that one was the champions, you know, stage, and this is what the NFL was promoting. Now, listen, I, I'm not looking for things when I watch the Super Bowl. People ask me, what do I look for? Do I look for this Illuminati hand sign. Do I look for this satanic symbol? And I'm like, I don't know that a pentagram is not a satanic symbol. So I don't know why you'd look for that as a satanic symbol. <laughs> I kind of give it back to people because, you know, symbols are, are they can mean anything and the context matters a lot so i don't know i'm not looking for these things i just noticed that you can see there see super bowl like the e and the r are a different font that's not my imagination right it's a different font yeah and the e is very oddly broken apart but i guess is that is that uh that's supposed to be like one side of an arrow going up with the r i i don't know i don't know it's odd you you could even I see I didn't even look at that and see that it's kind of like the uh, the FedEx logo the FedEx logo has the arrow that 
you know, to going to the right. It's like Amazon is A to Z. We have everything from A to Z. I mean, see, that's not an Illuminati conspiracy. That's just how the company designs the logo because it's it's a clever way to design the logo with a little arrow or A to Z. So, I mean, you obviously can see, as your listeners can see, that, you know, the E and the R are different. And this is going to take us into everything else, you know, that we're going to talk about here. So the E and the R are different. Now, I went through symbol books. I went through my own like brain trying to you know rack my brain trying to figure out like what, where what is that just a line through e and they just cut it in half like why okay so i looked through i've got a bunch of symbol books i looked through uh everything from uh enochian language to uh there's something called illuminati cipher actually it's like a bunch of incoherent symbols uh which is kind of kind of interesting little uh thing you could type in illuminati cipher and find it online there's a bunch of, and it was actually a real cipher used by Adam Weishaupt. Um, and there's a bunch of other little symbolic uh, characters that I look through, different alphabets. And the only thing I could come across that resembled any of this was Hebrew. And then I thought, well, let's let's try to support that. Three times during the Super Bowl, at least in my feed, I got ads for Jewish things. I got ads about how Israel was going to go get dads out of Hamas or out of the hands of Hamas while Israel was simultaneously bombing Rafa last night, killing, according to the New York Times, 67 people. Six and seven is 13, of course, and 58, the Super Bowl is 5, 8, 13. Maybe talk more about that. But they killed 67 people last night, mostly kids, while they were telling us, we got to go get these dads out of the hands of these Hamas terrorists. He had the commercial about the anti-Jewish hate on the on the the uh, what was that the garage door? Yeah, yeah, they've been running that one since the the uh, the World Series. Oh, have they? Yeah, have they? Yeah, and that one was that I had that on my feed, and then you had the silence one, which was for some weird reason it it said stop Jewish hate, and then it cut and said stop all hate. I guess Jewish hate is more important than all hate, even though Jewish people actually suffer i guess hate crimes and those are really manipulated statistics anyway by definition but they suffer hate crimes at a far lower rate than most other I mean, like other groups considering in terms of the population numbers it's weird like why don't you just stop all hate not just jewish hate then we'll move on to the rest of the hate <laughs> it's, it's kind of weird right uh, yeah yeah well there, there's a there's a, a a categorization war that is constantly going on out there um and and usually when it gets that specific you know that it's a def it's deflecting against some greater truth, especially a statistical truth. Um, like when they stop when they started branding stop Asian hate, uh, yeah. it, it's fairly well known to anybody with a couple of brain cells to rub together that it was not. For example, they were trying to push this as Trump supporters and white supremacists are going after Asians because of COVID, and that just was not the source of the violence. And uh, th th so. Whenever or, or Me Too, the Me Too movement, what was that? It was a pseudo-feminist deflection away from what was a brief moment of exposure for Hollywood being this human meat grinder of, you know, humanitarian need out there. How they're just, you know, they, they tear everybody apart, men, women, children alike. So they created Me Too as a little bit of a deflective thing. So whenever we get down to specifics, the specific hashtags for these types of things, it's never about actually, it, it's always very something very deflective and statistically misleading. That's a really great explanation, uh, 
very, very good explanation. Very concise. I completely agree with you, hundred percent. Well, you can use yeah. it tonight with with Clyde if you want. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Give you some big, some big, uh, big time shout outs. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was a very, very concise and very well said uh, statement. So, yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I, so I, I, that's the that's the secondary point of proof when I'm looking for something. I'm like, well, this okay. The fact that these might this might relate to Hebrew. Does that have anything to do with the Super Bowl? And I'm like, all these Jewish things and like Jewish hates more important. So, so I was like, okay, well, maybe it's Hebrew. So I look at, I'm looking at the Hebrew and you can see there on the video, see the, the image and that that's a little file I put together. Um, that is the letter bet or Beth. And it's also quite interesting that the correspondences are house and mother. And of course, Bethlehem house of bread Virgo with the wheat, the virgin, it's where Christ was born. The value of that is two. Now, if you look at the E, the E is broken in two. So you would need two bets or two Beths to get that E, if that's what the symbol is. Okay. And two and two gives you 22. I just wrote, I literally wrote that down and I did not think anything of it. And then I'm continuing to look to see if I can, I, I thought maybe this R was runic. So I'm looking at runes, couldn't, couldn't find anything. Again, I'm not looking like, oh, I'm going to find it. It's right here. I'm just like, does it correlate with anything? I don't know. So I find the Hebrew, find bet. And then I find Vav and Kof. And I thought, well, maybe if you superimpose them, it would look like the R. Could be a stretch. So I superimpose them, as you can see on the bottom left there. And kind of kind of has an R feel to it a little bit. And, it, and I thought, okay, maybe I'm stretching. I really thought I was, I was stretching. I wrote it down. And then I, I noticed something. If you look at the value of Vav, which is liberty, and Kof, which is light, light and liberty, um, the values add up to 25. And when I wrote that down, I thought, that's the score of the game, 25 and 22. So that's like the third layer of confirmation that okay we've got these weird symbols uh they don't relate to anything except maybe hebrew we got all the jewish stuff during the game and then on top of that kaf is also a primitive form of phi which is greek so that kind of doubly confirms that and then the outcome of the numerical numerological or the numerical sequencing of the position of these things in the alphabet of the hebrew alphabet is 25 and 22. And you have to have two bets to get 22, and there's two parts to the E. So it, it comes out 25, 20, which is the, if you scroll down, as you can see, that's the score of the game. Okay, so let me ask you right there. So for, for the average person who's listening to this, and I consider myself one of those people too. I, first, me too, actually. <laughs> okay, yo, I understand, but, but, but you know, as far as comparing our um, the, the time put into this kind of study, uh, for you to spot this stuff is really incredible. And... But then I, I ask myself, all right, how the hell, I mean, 25, 22, so what, is, what does this all mean? Because you can't, I can't bring myself to think, and I know that you're not suggesting that this was a predetermined outcome or anything like that, but we are in the realm of synchronicity. So um, can you just explain how, explain the, the, the whole point of synchronicity and where it comes in and where significance in these kind of reoccurring strangely matching um factors really comes into play in analyzing a situation that it's not about this was predestined or this was in some way 
specifically and fixed down to the minutia to make sure that 25 and 22 was produced as an end result for some ritualistic purpose. But there's a there's a synchronicity here. Can you explain like what the, the significance of that is? It's a really great question. And uh, I usually discuss that every year on my Super Bowl show. As I said, I'm not looking for these things. Uh, synchronicity is simply a simultaneous appearing of patterned symbols, uh, occurrences, etc., that essentially don't really have any, there isn't really a justified logical reason mm. for why seeing the pattern that you're seeing. I would attribute it, although it's kind of a tired trope, and I personally don't like using the, the phrase red-pilled, I would attribute it to kind of like the Matrix, where um, I forget the character's name, was it the guy that works the computer and he's like, I don't even, once you look at this long enough, you don't even see code. I think it was the guy that sold them out to the machines, whatever his name was. He said, I don't even see code anymore. I just see blonde, brunette, redhead. Yeah. That's kind of what it feels like to me. It's not like it's some grand conspiracy. We certainly don't know what to call it. So we have a word synchronicity, but that doesn't really define it or describe it or explain what it is. So it's basically like reading the code in the matrix. And also I think a lot of it could be let's just use the word for lack of a better word, it's energy. I mean, energies attract each other. We know this in relationships, sex. We know this in the things that we as individuals like, like I like Japanese paintings, as you can see behind me here. I don't know what energetic relationship I have with those or what they have with me, but I like them. I like, you know, Japanese and Chinese and Korean and different forms of script because I like the symbols. I think it's beautiful and fascinating. Um, that doesn't mean that it's a conspiracy. Like it doesn't, not everything has to be a conspiracy. Not everything has to be um, even a synchronicity. Some things are just energetically, magnetically attracted. It's like one of the laws of nature. So perhaps when these things are being chosen, I mean, if we look at, if we looked at it from the point of view of like, everything is predetermined, God predetermines everything, right? Well, maybe everything is predetermined in a sense, every outcome is possible simultaneously so when people, the Super Bowl has so much attention and focus on it, when the people are putting this all together, maybe there is some, let's say, energy in the universal field, if you will. And I'm not trying to use these words to sound wacky. I'm just, I don't, there isn't a language to really describe what we're looking at here, I don't think. But maybe that energy influences the people that pick these things and they kind of, they do it in a way that is, it's, it's just happenstance. It doesn't have any other meaning. Um, and it also... I guess more specifically to the 25 and 22, I want to reiterate that when I saw those symbols, I went through a bunch of alphabets, a bunch of symbol books. The only thing that seemed relevant was the Hebrew alphabet. And then with all the Jewish stuff during the game, the commercials, I thought, okay, well, that kind of is like secondary confirmation. And then the fact that one of those symbols, cough, is very much like phi, which is undeniable in the bowl and champion's word, undeniable, that's what it is. It's phi, it's a Greek. Um, that's like third confirmation. And then the fact that they added the 25 and 22, I was sitting right here on the couch and I wrote that down and I just, I looked at it, I was like, wait, that was the score of the game. <laughs> so that's like the fourth or fifth confirmation. Like I, I, what it means, I don't know, but it's not just, oh, look, that symbol relates to that. I know you're not saying that, but it's like not that session relates to that. And you're like writing this complex red, you know, putting that red uh, yarn, connecting all these dots. It's just all these correlations, they all relate to the same event. 
And it just so happens to be that those are the numbers that come up that that, that we come up with. I, I don't think that it necessarily means anything per se. I just think that it's fascinating. And if you look one more time at that image, I took a screenshot or a photo of the uh, one of the symbol books I have, and I put it in that little file for myself. And you can find those. You can find an inverted version of both of those symbols in the literal. It's called the Illuminati cipher. It was a real cipher used by Adam Beishop. So I thought, ah, that's kind of interesting too. So I threw that in you there know, as well. Uh, you, when you were talking about the, 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 the and, and, and if I'm going to throw any of my uh, analytical two cents in, um, yes. I, were you able to see, and maybe you just didn't have the time to check it out, but in Super Bowls past, even just within the last three or four Super Bowls, did you see any of those phallic, uh symbols put in there with the o's or anything like that because if not it would be a another pretty telling presentation since there is this overarching theme with this year's super bowl of this made match made in hollywood heaven kind of a coupling of the the, the tight end with uh taylor swift and and everybody want, people wondering if there was going to be a proposal and if they're getting married and all that stuff so it was very uh, you know, daytime soap opera romancy on top of everything else. It was. And in fact, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I, I can add something else that I think might might blow some people's minds that also relates to what you just said. And in regard to what we just discussed, um, if you go back to the image, just so you can see it side by side and look at the the purple banner that says Super Bowl, if you scroll up a couple pages, it's the set. Yeah, right there. Um, of all those letters, I just realized this a couple hours ago, actually. So I had prepared all this. I sent some stuff to Clyde for our show tonight because I'm going to be on Ground Zero. And then my show, I prepared this for my show. I had it set for my show and I sent it to you. And I looked at it and I just realized it. I was like, oh, my God. The three letters that are, that, that, that you know, they have a different font are E-R-O. What is E-R-O? Arrow. Not only is it arrow as an arrow, like Arrowhead Stadium or the Chiefs logo or anything like that, but it's arrow as in the arrow that Cupid pokes you with so you fall in love or you get real horny and want to have sex, all fertility stuff. But arrow is a is the Greek name for the god of love and fertility and passion. And not only that, but what is Wednesday? Valentine's Day. So of all the letters that could be played with, it just so happens to spell out the name or, I mean, his name is E-R-O or E-R-O-S, Eros, but it spells the name of a Greek god of love, the week of Valentine's Day. So that is also quite peculiar. And, of course, Eros is also a, a, a god of, well, not really necessarily a god of fertility per se, but through love and passion and sex, I mean, effectively fertility, which then also relates back to phi with the golden ratio, which is also a symbol of the phallus and yoni, and that's fertility as well. So that I found, I just noticed that a few hours ago. I thought, well, that's that's really weird. And it relates directly. See, all those different second, third, fourth layers of confirmation rather than just being like, oh, the reptilians ran the Super Bowl. You know, <laughs> to me, this makes a lot more sense. And I find that really weird, especially because Wednesday's val Valentine's Day or what it's an old Roman festival called Lupercalia. Yes. Uh, as well. Wednesday is also the beginning of Lent. It's Ash Wednesday. Um, oh, that's so there's a lot of a lot of different things going on this uh this this week but um 
But okay, okay, yeah. Well, I, I tend to think that the uh, that the uh, reptilians still have a little something to do with all this. But let's keep going. Uh, yeah, let's yeah. let's keep going because now we get to the, the halftime show. You said right? Yeah, we're gonna get there in just one second because we, before we do that, we need to see who's overseen it in a sense. Scroll up, uh, I think, to the second page, right above that. Yeah, the file I sent you must have pushed those pictures down. But so before we we get to that, let's just look at the you know CBS. So you got a couple things with CBS, right? CBS is literally an all seeing eye. Hmm. CBS is, is also to see BS. <laughs> kind of a funny thing to play with, right? <laughs> so if you if you scroll down, it, it I guess it inverted your your um your file there. Yeah, it's uh well well the eye of Sauron is 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 right side up, but the other one I know what you I know what you're looking at there too. I said, what the hell is this tool? What is this like a Olympic style? torch that is directly above the goalposts yeah. here what is this torch and people i, I automatically ever i saw people saying this is like lord of the rings and yeah it, it, i don't know when this became a thing or if it's just native to this stadium in in las vegas or what but that that's very odd let me see if i can get a better image up go ahead and talk about it i i pulled it up here you can see it really close on the screen there yeah the this on my phone now, I don't remember what play this was. I think it was the one, final one of the game because I was trying to get a picture of it all night. But it just so happens to be when I took the picture, look at the dialogue from the uh, from the announcers. I want you to watch on the... <laughs> I just thought that was funny because the Eye of Sauron watches. Um, that is a basically uh, a cauldron that they lit like the Olympics. You're right, like the Olympics uh, before the game. And it is part of the Allegiant Stadium, who their logo on top of it says Allegiant. And on top of it, if you look up Allegiant Stadium, it has uh, a rays of the sun. So it's like a rising sun and then the flaming torch, uh, which are very common symbols and motifs you, you'd see around everything from the death of Kennedy to Princess Diana's memorial as well. The, uh, the never ending, never uh, burned out torch. Um, so, And then, you know, people say, well, that's Lucifer. Well, perhaps a bearer of light, but like the Statue of Liberty bears that torch, not because she's Lucifer. She's actually the guy that kind of came up with the, the, the structure of her, actually took the imagery from Nubian or African Egyptian uh, goddesses. And that light was an illuminating force of the underworld, which is actually the eye of Horus, who uses the eye for his father so he can see in the underworld. It's a, it's a symbol of illumination and light. Um, and there's different forms of light, illumination, there's false light, and there's good light, but that's neither here nor there. The point is, yes, there's a giant cauldron torch, and it looks like the Eye of Sauron. Um, but, you know, let's, putting that aside, I just thought that was interesting to point out. Well, let me um, ask you, let me ask, real quick on that, because you're talking about illumination in the uh, in the underworld, and I, I, in a lot of my reading into stuff like this, I have seen that uh, those who were very, you know, well versed in the 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 world of the occult and secret societies and all that, that everyday folk, common folk, would be considered or referred to sometimes as the dead, as yep. you know those those of us out here who are not who are really just going through life, not really understanding what the real what the real uh, you know the real game that's being played is that we're kind of oblivious and and just existing in this this little breakaway shallow reality whereas they 
are the the the, the holders of, of true insight into the nature of the world and all that stuff that that we are you know you know regular people are referred to in all types of demeaning ways um but i always heard that the dead is one of them so it would make a lot of sense that to be illuminated in the land of the dead is pretty much the same kind of imagery that's being put out there with these torches in the land, in the land of the blind the one-eyed man is always king yeah. and you're the uh in all the mystery schools and secret societies or most most of the ones that were drama based including masonry which i i maintain these schools are just as positive as they are negative i mean many of them were infiltrated in the same way that like you know church isn't bad but churches have been infiltrated and you know mosques aren't necessarily bad but mosques have been infiltrated and so on and so forth um you have the process by which you would in, interact with uh, other characters played by members of a lodge or an order, and they would play the planets or different gods and goddesses. And you go through a ritualistic process of death and resurrection while you were alive. They call it living resurrection. And you'd usually leave the temple and you greet the eastern rising sun. So the rising sun comes up you greet the sun you are actually born again that's where the christians get their idea from born again christians and then you become a son of god as opposed to a son of man you greet you greet the sun and so that's a practice that was probably much much older than egypt we don't know how how far back that practice goes but it was a way to tune yourself if you will with the cycles of nature and the processes by which the seasons change, which is where we get the apocalypse from, the lifting of the veil. That's the apocalypse. That's the uh, uh, the fall into the winter months. And then the pale horse is death that brings cold and death and chaos and darkness. And that's the pale horse. And then the white horse, Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, and a bunch of other prophets and gods rode. The white horse is spring and the red horse is summer and the black horse is fall and the cycle continues. and. You can look at the same thing with the human the human brain or the human mind or the idea of like our reptile brain. See, I, I call that the red dragon and I call the animal self and the ego the beast. And the red dragon in Revelation gives the beast its authority to do what it does. And it's thrown, it's seat between the eyes, the third eye, right? It's like you're, it's who you are as a person. It's your, your personality, your persona, your mask. So if you kill the dragon kill that reptile brain that controls all these things, or at least you subdue it, you acquire the gold of the alchemists. So these things can be looked at as both internal psychological processes and the unconscious. If you read Carl Jung, he describes the unconscious as more of a, um, as the underworld. And the illumination of that underworld is being enlightened about what all this stuff means, like Joseph Campbell wrote, so that it doesn't control you. And I think that's the positive, if you will, side to all of this talk of secret societies and conspiracies. Yeah, but I, there's a too. Yeah, I, I, I would say if there is a positive side, that would be one of them. Now, let me ask you real quick, Ryan, because I have to go on a, a very brief intermission break. How much more time would you be able to allot us tonight, just so we can touch a little bit on the actual performances of the, the halftime show? But I know you have a very busy broadcast schedule tonight. Um, I could do, uh, when you come back from break, you get a half hour and then you go to another break or do you have a whole hour? No, I, I got a whole hour, but I can, I can give you up to 20, 25 minutes, whatever is good for you. That if you can only do 10, 15, I'll take that as well. We'll, we'll, we'll do uh we'll say I'm actually doing, not doing bad right now in terms of time. So let's do a half hour and I might be able to talk longer. Okay. Half hour would be fine because then I want to take some calls afterwards and, uh, and we'll figure that out. I'm going to put you on mute real quick. 
And uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, I, we were going to be right back on the other side of this break. I would just like to uh, invite you all over to pilled.net or quite frankly.tv. It's all the same thing. Uh, right there, cozy on quite frankly.tv is the embed for pilled.net and foxhole. Uh, more with Ryan Gable in the second half. We'll be taking your calls on the subject. I'm going to be reading your super chats. If you're on Rumble, YouTube, uh, Rockfin, wherever it is, the links are all over the place, and we are going to be uploading this in its entirety over uh, at Rumble and BitChute and Rockfin and all that and, and podcast by later on tonight. Also, also, this has all the, the, the trappings of something that I would like to re-premiere on YouTube over the weekend. So uh, be on the lookout for that because I love the Saturday night YouTube re-premieres for the full episodes that are not there usually. So head on over. It's two clicks away. There's no paywall. And, uh, and I appreciate you all so much. Become a sponsor of the show as well because we're getting closer and closer to being able to re-host this show uh, two hours across everywhere. Uh, all the platforms, but of course, I got to say, there's nothing cozier than being on quitefrankly.tv or pilled.net. It's uh, it's it's cozy, it's independent, and it's, uh, it's just where the internet needs to be. So get on over there, and I will see you on the other side. The rest of the show is available exclusively at pilled.net. Follow the link in the description of the episode, get signed up, it's that easy. Or head on over to quitefrankly.tv, just press play. No paywalls, no censorship, no strings attached. So head on over, quitefrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole and pilled.net. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Quite frankly. 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 Qu
right. We are back on the other side of intermission. We have Ryan Gable here hanging out with me. It's quite frankly on Monday night. It's the 12th day of February 2024. Plenty of spookiness going on post Super Bowl spookiness. Here's a little bit of something for you, Ryan. I had this uh, come in from a member of the audience. Valsky just sent in a super chat and said, hey, you want to know what the address of uh, Allegiant Stadium is? It is 3333 Al Davis Way, Las Vegas, 89118. That's a pair of 33s for you, Ryan. Yes, and you know how many yards Patrick Mahomes passed for? No, what he's passed for? 333 yards. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> it's kind of weird, isn't it? Uh, let's, yeah. talk, let's talk about those 13s. and the. I'm sure you know a little bit about that. Which? All the 13s associated with this game. Oh, oh, okay. I was reading something about this. It was uh, it comes down to a, a birthday, July 13th. Who was born on the 13th of July? Go ahead. Put it all out there. Well, that's okay. That that one I actually don't know. Uh, and there's a couple that are really obvious. And again, just like with the symbols we looked at earlier, I don't necessarily think that this has some deeper conspiratorial meaning. I think it's like reading the green code in the matrix, if you will. And it has to do with magnets and energy and things like that, make magnetic attraction. So 58, Super Bowl 58, five, five plus eight. Now, if you, if you could do this with plus and minus and multiplication and then get there, it would it'd be different. But if you, if we're talking about just addition, then the 13 start pouring out. So five plus eight, 58 Super Bowl, 13, February 11th, uh, two eleven, thirteen. Bunch of, there's a, there's so many of these it's crazy. Uh, Super Bowl halftime score was 10-3, 13. Carl Weathers died, Black History Month, February 1st. He was was he 76 years old? That's 13. He played for the 49ers, which is where this game was, you know, at, at their home now in Vegas. Uh, he wore the number uh, 49, which is 13. Um, now, what's really interesting, although we could continue to go down this long, 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 long list of 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, the 49ers, 4 plus 9, 13, uh, Brock Purdy's number, the Super Bowl quarterback, 13. Um, we go down this list over and over and over again, but I think what's really interesting is the relationship to Taylor Swift that the number 13 plays. Do you know anything about that? No, I don't. Well, this is really interesting. I just just learned this this weekend. I didn't know how, she, how obsessed she was with the number thirteen. She's. I'm going to read this to you. This is from my little my monologue from tonight. This is what she said, and this wasn't like last night, but she said this a couple of weeks ago, a couple months. It might have been a couple months ago. This was reported. Quote: I was born on the thirteenth. I turned thirteen on Friday the thirteenth. My first album went gold in thirteen weeks. My first number one song had a 13-second intro. Every time I've won an award, I've been seated in either the 13th seat, the 13th row, the 13th section, or row M, which is the letter 13, the 13th letter. Basically, whenever a 13 comes up in my life, it's a good thing. We can go further than that, though. That's her quote. I'm going to go further. This was her 13th NFL game this year. On the 4th of February, she also won her 13th Grammy. Her heiress tour, E-R-A-S, began on Friday the 13th, October Friday the 13th. It also had a 13-week exclusive theatrical release. 
This is all confirmable. This was like screen rants and movie websites. 13-week theatrical release that just ended right before the Super Bowl. Funny enough. 13 comes up in a bunch of other places too. But before we go any further into what the 13 represents, how about we take a look at, well, uh, is that whole thing with the 12 disciples of Christ and Jesus is number 13, resurrection. 13 is resurrection in numerology. There's also the Knights of the Round Table and King Arthur. There's also the signs of the Zodiac, and they've added a new sign years ago, Ophiuchus, the serpent. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey were both born in 1989, which was the year of the serpent. She uses the serpent in a lot of her music, and her, probably her most one of her most famous songs, Look What You Made Me Do, is filled with death and resurrection. She actually does the Egyptian Osiren pose, which is the crook and flail hurting in the age of Taurus the bull and the age of, uh, well, the, well, the bull to the ram, which in, and later went to the age of the fish, which was the Christian age, um, which also features in that song her uh, her alter egos, the number 13 tattooed on her hand, her favorite number, her mocking the crucifixion of Christ on the cross, uh, and a bunch of other weird stuff like her in a red dress sitting on a giant golden throne with the Ides of March reference when Caesar was killed with serpents serving her tea, like the poison apple in the Garden of Eden, or if you read that book about the Antichrist by Tim Cohen, the Antichrist in a cup of tea. The red dress is, of course, the Scarlet Woman, the Whore of Babylon, and you saw Alicia Keys wearing that at the halftime show. Jeez, I mean, it was one thing for her to be sitting at the piano with the old red sequin uh, dress on there, but it was another thing to have that striking imagery of the red... I don't know, uh, trail that was just, I don't know, half a mile long. It was, inc it yeah. was incredible. I said, Whoa, okay. Red lady, man. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. But that's, and that same image and that motif is all in the music industry. Like I, um, I looked up again last night, I watched uh, a song by Avril Lavigne, uh, called, uh, I fell in love with the devil. You could look it up. And she actually goes through the whole process by which we saw the halftime show unfold, where she starts out, she's in white, and then she ends up in black robes like Taylor Swift has famously worn. And then she ends up in the red dress playing on a piano with a crucifix talking about how she fell in love with the devil. And, and I should note here that the devil and Satan are two different characters. Satan is Shaitan, the adversary. So that is necessary evil that we need. It's resistance. Like when we have an injury and we have to train and we have to go into water and get resistance on our bodies or go to the gym and lift weights, like Shatan is a necessary evil. The devil is a different character. The devil is, if you remove the D, evil, even if you keep the D, the devil, if you reverse evil or devil, you get lived or live. So the devil is an inversion of what it means to live in the same way that if you reverse love, L-O-V-E, evil, or if you reverse life, L-I-F-E-E-F-I-L, you get ethyl. And however you pronounce it in both twilight language and magical context means the same thing. Life, love, and to live, inverted, is evil. So anybody trying to distort and destroy those things would be considered evil and working with the devil. They'd be devil worshipers, but devil worshipers are really fundamentally, philosophically, and symbolically totally different than Satan worshipers. And I think that's a very important distinction for your audience uh, to, for me to point out before we go any further. Uh, so in relation to all these 13s, um, it's really interesting that the 13th sign of the zodiac, Ophiuchus, I'm going to look this up to make sure I know how to pronounce it. There's a star. This is really weird, man. There's a star 
in Ophiuchus named Ophiuchi or Ophiuchi, O-P-H-I-U-C-H-I. That star, this all comes together really weird, that star is numbered 58. That star, because Ophiuchus is the, the serpent and that he, he who betrays, like in the Garden of Eden, and that is what causes death. The serpent causes death. So 58 and death and the uh, Allegiant Stadium. I heard, I turned on. I have no idea how I got so lucky to hear this. And, I don't, and unless everybody knows this and I didn't know this, I mean, that's possible. I turned on some like Australian NFL broadcast and they were like, this is really weird. We're here at Allegiant Stadium. Did you know that Allegiant Stadium is called the Death Star? They actually refer to it as the Death Star. That's really weird. I thought. I've never heard that anywhere. I've been to Vegas a lot. I've never heard anybody so it was a Death Star. So I looked it up, and apparently that's the that's like the name, the the pseudonym, if you will, for that stadium is the Death Star. So you have Death Star, and then you literally have fifty eight Super Bowl fifty eight fifty eight Ophi, Ophiuchi, which is that single star in that constellation. Then all the thirteens, like that's just, it's like I'm not. I know. I know. <laughs> this is why I have to ask, and I think I really. This is why I really appreciate when you when you uh, brought up the matrix reference that it's, it's not necessarily about um, about things being predestined or somebody uh, putting this all together. And, you know, some, you know, I, I, to a large degree do believe that there is less and less room for coincidence, but, yeah. when, but what you were saying there about how it's more so about watching things play out before us being a part of us. I mean, we're all part of the same timeline of events, you know, we're contributing we're contributing to the the, the back end, um, you know, binary language feed as as anybody else. But these are more visible public events that everybody is playing. This observer, you know, we're playing the observer on a lot of these things. It's not like our lives where we go throughout the day, and as we are just interacting with local shops and and uh, and or doing radio show, shows like this. Who knows what the binary unseen language of all the stuff that we're involved in pops up all the different synchronicities and and things that line up and so it's more so about this is the unseen as you said language of reality it kind of lends itself to to you know you know the theorizing about the unseen language of reality and of course on these grander state grander scales um it uh, I, I guess it behooves us to pay a little bit more attention to people who are plugged into networks of organizations governments this and that who know this stuff whereas those of us in the land of the dead know less than anybody else so uh for those who know they take advantage now I, my question has always been okay so you know a little bit more than most what how does it ingrate how does it empower you to plan an event around numerological patterns that you see how does it energize or charge an event how does it benefit you i mean what does the numbers itself mean i i ask that of a lot of astrologers who come on this show you know why declare war or start a business when planets are in certain alignment i i want to know the physical impact because obviously the synchronicities are there they're abundant so i want to know the physical impact on taking advantage of these of these patterns I have an opinion for you and and take it for what it's worth. You know, the it's very well known, or I think it is very well known that Wall Street investors, people that work on Wall Street, have used astrology to make investments. This is in contemporary times, of course. 
we know that, well, let's look at how about Prince William? Prince William, his birth was induced, so he would be born on the summer solstice. Um, if you look at a lot of wars that were especially under the Bush administration, they were initiated, you know, begun, or significant parts of those wars, the ending of those wars, if you will, uh, the mission accomplished. These things were done on very important, significant dates, not just any dates, not just random dates, but like high Jewish holidays, which the whole you idea know, behind those wars was that we were fighting Israel's wars in the Middle East, which is weird. Um, or uh, in the case of uh, a, a, a number of like very significant dates around Beltane, for example, like Beltane, which comes up in mid-April, it's called the burning season. And you get everything from the assassination of Abraham Lincoln to Waco to Oklahoma City to the sinking of Titanic, Hitler's death, and the list just goes on and on, where you find significant dates elsewhere throughout the year. But around that time in particular, they're like super duper concentrated, at least the ones that our attention is focused on. So maybe there's a magnetic thing happening there universally. I think the best way to respond to your question is to say that, one, regardless of what you, me, or anybody listening believes, if someone really believes these things, just like your neighbor really, really believes in God and they're a really big time Christian, nothing you can say is going to convince them otherwise. They're probably going to see apparitions. They're going to read their Bible and think that God's telling them something, and maybe he is. They're going to go to church and they're going to feel that power of God, the presence of God with them. And that's just your neighbor, if you will. That doesn't account for the people that have lots of money, lots of time, and they have the ability or maybe the family background to study types these types of things in great detail and depth. Uh, there's a singer named Florence Welsh. She's one of my favorite singers, Florence and the Machine. She literally studied to, she like her mom was a professor and she was in a witch's coven and she uses her knowledge of witchcraft and mythology and archetypes to make her music. And she actually does a pretty positive job in her music about that kind of stuff then you look at people like Billie Eilish, who I don't think she knows what she's doing. Billie Eilish, like we've talked, I don't know if I've talked with you much about her, but like her entire image is based around worshiping the demon ball. We don't have time to get into why I think that, but it's, it, take if you took my word for it, it's like the, the people, whether we think it or not, are obsessed with these kinds of things because they believe that it gives them power. The same way a Christian believes Jesus helps them or a Muslim believes the prophet Muhammad is there to protect them or they see, you know, they see Allah. Um, or if you're Buddha and you see, you, or rather you are Buddhist and you, you have a vision of Buddha, um, these people clearly believe that certain dates and times are significant. And over thousands and thousands of years, in fact, so much time, we don't even know the worship of goddesses like Isis, the worship of gods that come under various different names, Saturn, Kronos, which is chronology for time. Uh, you know, we all these different gods, goddesses and characters in the books and the stories we read in school, we read at home, we see movies and TV, they're reservoirs of energy. So tapping into them are going to also once if you can tap into them, it's going to tap you into both your own unconscious and subconscious, but also into the subconscious of other people. So I've always said the Super Bowl, because so many people watch like hundreds of millions of people watch during and after it is the ultimate opportunity to sell products. It's the ultimate opportunity to sell political messages. It's the ultimate opportunity to perform, if you're an occultist, some sort of bizarre, for us, bizarre maybe, but for them not so much, ritual. Because, and here's, the, I think this is where the language part, the magic comes in. What happens when you pay attention? 
you're using your energy, you're paying, you're focusing, you're paying attention. What are you paying with, with your attention? Energy. You're using your energy to pay attention. Energy is currency. What do we call our money? Currency. It's electricity. It's energy. We exert energy to get money. Then we use that money to buy other things and we pay for a movie ticket. Then we pay attention to the movie. This is what we're doing with the Super Bowl. All those people watching, all those people listening, all the advertisements, the millions and millions of dollars and a, a minute or $10 million a minute or whatever it is, all the political messaging, what makes us think that based on the archetypes of all the things we see at halftime alone, let alone other weird things around the game, like the symbols we talked about earlier, why wouldn't somebody use that as an opportunity to, at the very least, at the very base minimum, play with people and make fun of them, which is exactly what we see happening today where you have literally the, the NFL at the beginning of the season had a whole campaign about how the NFL was scripted and the Super Bowl was rigged. They, they called it, you know, the NFL is rigged. That's the conspiracy. The NFL actually did a whole commercial series about that. Um, or the fact that uh, Joe Biden, well, his handlers, put on his Twitter account today this dark Brandon image with his eyes red and glowing like the Terminator and yeah. said, it's just what we planned. They're, they troll you. So, like, it's it's either... It's either it's it's all completely made up, but we've we've created it. We're the ones that manufactured this Illuminati stuff or it's like partly real and then some of it's fabricated. But regardless of how you look at it, the evidence is there. It's overwhelming. It's just a matter of what it means. And I think we've gotten to a point now where people have pushed the envelope and the question so far that now from the White House to the NFL, they they're playing with the conspiracy. Yeah. I, so, let me let me ask you this, uh, because yeah. some people in the chat room they dropped a couple of keywords in there. I saw uh, somebody say mind control operation, louche. Somebody else dropped in hypnotize, hip, hypnot, uh, you know, hypnotizing people. Uh, my question to you is, and I and obviously human will, human attention paid. Uh, it's all going to be a benefit to those receiving the attention. But I uh, I wonder because you know so much of so much of, of the so-called civil rights movements of the day that they say they're civil rights movements is usually as we see over time like for example with Black Lives Matter Patrice Cullors one of the the founders of Black Lives Matter she's been very forthright about how she is a trained Marxist but also uh, incorporates a lot of witchcraft and ritualistic behavior into the way that they demonstrate. They call, they call it Aoife, right? It was their practitioner. It's yeah. called Aoife magic, Western African Aoife magic. Yeah. And they and they said they said very the very clearly that when they they get people together for these for these uh, rallies or these parades or whatever, or even when they organize people online, these hashtags they are more than hashtags. They are ways. They said that they are invoking the spirits of people, whether they were lost in an altercation with police or some other way that they're invoking spirits. And when when I I did a show on this a couple of years ago because it, it became apparent to me uh, how how fairly advantageous the current um, detached, spiritually detached culture that we have in the United States is where uh, so much of this Marxist propaganda drags uh, people, whereas if this was two or three generations ago, uh, whole families are going to church together on Sunday. They're sticking together. They're, 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 they're doing religious studies. They're engaging in the sacraments. They're faithful, a lot more than that. It is now all this in, in modern day, um, it is so much more hip 
Uh, and it's also not even just hip, it's just a standard that agnosticism and atheism has been nurtured and massaged into the mainstream culture of society so that people have become spiritual empty voids where there's no ed spiritual education there, there's no faith background, and whereas they think that they are secular and uh, not being held down by any kind of religion, they are actually being indoctrinated into a religion passively. And... Um, and by showing up to these so-called civil rights rallies, they're actually engaging in religious ritual, and they don't even know it. So my question to you is, even though attention paid across the board is going to benefit those who are doing the operation, do you believe that it is more advantageous to them to receive passive attention and passive interaction or to receive the, um, the, the, the more active and knowing kind of attention? Just my opinion. First of all, it's a great question. I've always said that passive would be the the desire the desirable type of attention. Why? Because, because then there's no competition. Well, you're really getting into the unconscious mind then, and that's where the 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 work and the damage can can be done. That's what I would say anyway. Yeah, man. Oh, man. And yeah. and and also, uh, you know, in regard to everything we've we've thus discussed, we still got plenty of time, I think, to talk about halftime. <laughs> because uh, we went through the 13 and we just kind of ended up here the uh the halftime show we'd mentioned alicia keys if you want just a brief overview if you watch the transition once again it's it, i mean they're they're not choosing the colors by accident it's intentional you'll notice that it starts off with the way that the lighting looks i actually thought usher was wearing yellow at first but it starts off where he gets up he's got white on he has a gigantic phoenix bird pin or something attached to his white clothing. So he's he's white, so purity. Phoenix rises. Okay, and then it transitions and it gets a little darker as it goes. And we get to the red lady, Alicia Keys. Usher at the beginning stands inside of a magic circle. I don't know if anybody caught that. It's a dark area and then a white line around it it's it's literally the same one they've used at multiple super bowls it's not just oh that's look how they lit the stage it's like literally the same line it's the same white circle it's a magic circle that they literally have them standing inside of that is not a coincidence and that's not my imagination so then it transitions he ends up with his shirt off at <laughs> at some point and then we go from uh black clothing and uh, her, some singer named her, I didn't know who that was, had this black goo-like clothing on, if you will, the red guitar. And then that was quickly out of frame. And then we end up with uh, the, at, toward the end, we end up with everything turning blue. And it looked, it reminded me of Tron, actually, the blue at the end and the way that the lights were, the grid on the ground. See, there's the magic circle there. That that's what that is. It's not a it's not a an opinion. That that is what that's what a magic circle is. Especially when you got the red lady motif inside of it. <laughs> I mean, as for, as an archetype alone, that's just very obvious. I think so. It transitions. The long the long point is long story short is transitions from purity and white through the red and through the black, and then we get to this digital looking environment. My interpretation of that is that we're talking here since we've discussed resurrection some of these symbols um by the way february 11th is also the resurrection feast of osiris the green man god of agriculture and fertility who is the beast slayer who is god of resurrection in the underworld 
So that February, that's February 11th. It's not, a, it's just like, I thought that that was made up. I kept checking it like three or four, five, six times. And it's like, yes, February 11th is an old Egyptian high holiday where some of the same images and symbols and archetypes that we saw at the Super Bowl and the halftime show are, are, are present. And that's very, very ancient, uh, very, very old. It's a practice that goes back way before Egypt. Uh, so the point is there's a transition and, an, and a rebirthing and Usher is standing in the video you, you just showed there before this part, he's standing on a clock, standing on the clock. I don't know if you noticed the clock. I'm sure you did. It was, it was pretty obvious. Yeah. I'll go grab that. Go ahead. So he's standing on a clock and the clock burns. It starts to burn. It's about a minute before what's on right now. It's right after Alicia Keys. Here it is. Uh, yeah, right here, you'll see the clock. So he's standing on a giant clock. I thought it was the black sun at first. And then I was like, oh, it's a clock. It's a clock. And then the clock, and it relates to the song he's singing, right? So, okay. And then it lights on fire, and then the whole stadium goes up in flames. They got the fire on the board behind him, the fire on the stage. And then it's kind of funny, they zoom in on him like that right there. And then when there's fire here in a second, that mixed with him sweating profusely, it looks like he's like burning. <laughs> it does. In an inferno, so it's like they they all this stuff in the the bowl, the cauldron, they stir it all around, and then drop the match in and light it on fire. It's like the whole arena was just like a mass mock human sacrifice, as a, a burnt offering, if you will. I see it as a symbol of destroying innocence and purity in the old world. And then bringing in the new paradigm, the new doctrine, which clearly is digital, technological, AI driven. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but I see that's what it is ushering in to public consciousness, ushering in to public consciousness. And as a result of, of that, um, at the end of the Super Bowl, uh, there's a, the Amazon AI, and I talked about this. I did two pre-Super Bowl shows. Yeah, there's your digital right there. Yeah, kind of remind me of Tron, a little bit of Tron. So I did two pre-Super Bowl shows, and I talked about, you know, you know, the NFL's rigged. Okay, well, there's actually a vortex taking you down into to the abyss, maybe. I, I talked about how, how could something be rigged. It's like, well, there's point shaving. There's covering the spread, gambling, like all, all that. I'm not a big I'm not a gambler, so I don't know much about it, but I know that, that is a real form of rigging that takes place. You know, one ref can be paid off. The whole thing doesn't have to be scripted. And I don't think it's like scripted or rigged in the sense of we interpret those words. Something could be rigged in a totally different way. I proposed this like a month ago. And then after the Super Bowl, I'm watching it and I'm thinking, oh my God, I got to do another show on this. They're talking about, uh, it was the last, one of the last commercials before the feed switched over to the C this new T uh, CBS show after the game and the award ceremony, there was a commercial for Amazon's AI. And, and you've probably seen this if you've watched any kind of sports. I don't know if baseball does it, the hockey does it, football does it for sure, um, where they talk about, you know, should they go for it on fourth down? Should they kick the field goal here or go for the go for the touchdown? Should they go for the extra point? You know, should they pull the goaltender right now? That kind of stuff based on statistics, based on what the algorithm says. Okay, well, based on millions of plays analyzed. Here's your percentage of getting the first down. Millions of plays analyzed, millions of two-minute drills in football or two-minute drills in hockey. These are the chances of you scoring a goal if you pull your goalie here. You got a better chance if you wait another three seconds, pull your goalie here. You got a 5% chance more of scoring a goal. 
in a sense, and that's what that's how the game ended on my feed anyway on CBS. They were talking about this AI and how it analyzes so much data, it can effectively predict plays and whatnot before they happen. So it doesn't have to be scripted in a in a in a Hollywood sense, if you will. But with artificial intelligence now, which just is learning from the things that we we already have and what we do, it clearly can essentially predict what's going to happen. And the more we play, the more it's going to be able to predict. It's essentially able to predict what is going to happen on any given play. I mean, just the nature of how that could be used for gambling alone is beyond my comprehension and my pay grade. But to when you're dealing with hundreds and you know with billions of dollars um, on the line, like uh, what, 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 why wouldn't somebody not utilize that to the best of their um, knowledge to rig a game in a totally different way where no one has to be involved? but you just work through the AI and the AI is basically influencing the game or rigging the game, if you will. And I, and, and another, another thing about that is um, talk about the, the, the financial aspect of all this. I don't think it's weird that the chiefs were in the play in the playoffs of the super bowl. They're a good team. They've been in like four of the last five super bowls, 2020 to 2021, 2023, 2024. It's like, I think it's like two and then they missed one, then two again. It's not weird that they would be in or win the super bowl. Um, it's not weird that Taylor Swift might endorse Joe Biden. She did that four years ago. Right. It, you know, th- th- like that's the weird conspiracy that doesn't really make any sense to me. But the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, um, you know, you don't really need to know football to be able to predict that. If you have just a minor knowledge of what's going on, you're like, well, they're a really, really good team. But because they're such, on top of that, because they're such a good team, um, the AI, obviously, you know, it, it can effectively probably predict those, I would assume, those better teams even more so than a bad team because they're so good for so long and they they tend to win a lot. Then it's probably even easier to predict that. And that could actually that could fall as a, as a negative thing on any team that they face until their roster dwindles and Mahomes retires. And, and it's a similar like with Taylor Swift in regard to the Chiefs. This one, the NFL estimated she made them $331 million and garnered 5 million additional fans for the NFL and for, and like, I don't know how many million for the Chiefs. Like, that, we're talking numbers. Th- those are gigantic numbers, man. Yeah, I know. There's, someone isn't looking into how to utilize that, even if it's organic in its development. Someone's looking into how to exacerbate that and make it, make it even more powerful, more money, more, more attention. Oh, I brought that up. I brought that up. I I only had to estimate because it came up in the middle of the show, in the middle of the, the game yesterday, and I didn't know where to even start looking into it. But as far as the every year, the rates, the advertising rates, they they get published and they go up commensurate yeah. every year. But I said to myself, and I said to somebody, I said I would I wouldn't be surprised if it's at least a quarter million dollars more per per minute. Uh, at least just because you know what kind of what kind of a, a attention is being brought in here by this this ridiculous celebrity romance and um and I, I so there's there is that I understand there's a lot more now whether they're fans or whether I, I think it's more rubbernecking than it is fans of the NFL if you're gonna if you're gonna ask me but then again if we're talking about a game in which human attention is the grand prize, then all you need is rubbernecking. You know, I, I don't think they really care about making lifelong NFL fans out of a a loose connection to uh, a pop star. 
But um, yeah, it, was, it, it definitely made it a. It, too bad it wasn't more. It wasn't a more exciting game. I think that would have won them some fans. It was a really boring game. But uh, right. yeah. Well, you know, there was a commercial for uh, Cetaphil, which is I think I'm pronouncing that right. It's like a lotion, and it was about a dad watching football, and his daughter didn't really want to watch it or something. I think that was the theme of it, and then. Uh, apparently Taylor Swift shows up at the game. So the daughter wants to come in and watch it. And the dad gets her a Jersey. I thought this was just interesting. The dad gets her a Jersey and gives her the Jersey in the commercial. And it's a red Jersey and it's got number 13 on it. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And then I was, and then I looked it up and it was like, they gave her the, it says in the article, I read a couple articles about the uh, commercial. They gave her the 13 Jersey because that's Taylor Swift's favorite number. So the, using 13 to draw in new fans too in the commercial. Like the, I, I don't know. I feel like, am I being sold something here? Am I being trolled? Am I being, uh, you know, subtly manipulated? Like what's happening here? Because this is so mainstream now. It's like that Taco Bell commercial, like five years ago where they had like Bigfoot and the Illuminati ritual or something like some secret society. This stuff is so mainstream now. It's so blatantly obvious that, it's almost, it's almost in a sense, in my opinion, it's almost easier to pick out the real stuff because the fake stuff is just so, it's like, it's, what's the word? It's like cheap. It's so cheap. Like, well, well, that was, that was an Illuminati halftime show. And it's like, yes, focus on that. So you don't recognize these symbols in the words that are only in some of the words in some of the promotions focus on Illuminati. So you don't recognize things that otherwise you might recognize so it's almost like a form of another form of distraction is, is what i see that it could in and of itself be but it's de- it's certainly a way to commodify and monetize both resistance to powerful people who are obsessed with this stuff and uh, to monetize and commodify um just the public's interest in the unknown and the more crazy society gets and the wacky our, our president gets who can barely speak and doesn't know where he's at you know, people just start thinking this is more and more of a joke. And then you just and then they just troll you about it, which is what they did on Twitter with Joe Biden's account this morning. I mean, yep. that is just you saw that. That is unbelievable. Man. No way. And, and, and I saw a couple of top comments were really on par with that. Like this was tweeted out at a time that man was on his eighth dream already. So, <laughs> I mean, there was no he was not up tweeting, thinking of some really I mean, we're, we're talking this has been a really, especially an embarrassing week for him. So there's, it, it was really nuts. Um, so listen, uh, we'll go ahead. Sorry. Oh no 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say because we're 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 running down on time, and I had a couple of things I wanted to do uh, to wrap up the show. But I mean, we got through most of the of the, the the performances. We got through a lot of just the background information. We did a lot here. And I know you have two more presentations of this tonight. So what I wanted to do was just give you, a uh, first of all, thank you again for coming on in such short notice, but give you some chances to uh, to let everybody know exactly where to tune in. I, whenever I listen to you and, and Clyde, I'm usually listening on a TalkStream live app. Um, uh, yeah, I'll probably be able to, to jump in on that later on tonight after book club concludes for me, but where would you have people go and listen to you as you are live for much of the evening tonight? Yes. Thank you for the opportunity. First of all, to have me on your show to discuss this and then for the opportunity to explain, uh, my answer to that question. So tonight at this will be, I'll give Pacific time, 7 PM Pacific 
ground zero radio begins. Uh, that's terrestrial on a few hundred stations. Uh, the best way to find it, really simple, is go to ground zero dot radio. You can listen to Clyde's show from 7 to 10 p.m. Pacific U.S. time. I will be on 8 to 10 p.m. Pacific uh, ground zero dot radio with Clyde Lewis. Uh, a lot of you can also, as I said, get a terrestrial. Once Clyde shows over 7 to 10, I'm on 8 to 10. Uh, then my show will start immediately on Ground Zero dot Radio, and that will air for two additional hours. So you have a hot, a whole five hour block, four hours of me, five hours if you, with with Clyde, of uh, this analysis tonight. And I know that it's super trendy and popular, and I'm not going to give myself any more credit than I deserve because other people deserve some. I think a lot more credit than I do. Uh, Clyde has been doing this a little bit longer than I did. Um, he started it with Tracy Twyman, who has passed away. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've been doing the Super Bowl analysis for over a decade now, and with him for like six, seven years. Um, we were doing this really before it got super duper popular. So I like, I kind of like to say tongue in cheek, but also seriously, that we, we're like the original Super Bowl analysis um, uh, in terms of what we do. So that doesn't mean other people don't do great work. I mean, like this conversation was fantastic tonight with you. You made some really great points. I'm glad that we got to talk. And there's, there is so much more to discuss, so I'm sure there may be a couple of listeners that are like, well, what about this? You missed this 13. I, I, I probably did. Maybe I didn't, but we just didn't have time to mention it. I don't know if you want to take calls, but we can uh, uh, we can do that now. I would love to do a, I would love to do a call and show with you one night. I, I, we're going to wrap this one up just in, in a couple of seconds here, but I know that when whenever I hear you and, and Clyde do your thing on Ground Zero, you usually make time for calls there too, so perhaps some people who wanted to get in tonight – are able to uh, really blitz the phones while you guys are on in a couple hours from now and and, and get some get some thoughts uh, in there too. So I I'll, I'll be definitely sitting by and, and listening. And I, I'm I'm always so uh, enthused to uh, bounce ideas off of you because I've uh, I learned a lot o over the years just from listening. And uh, you've become one of those people that I listen to a lot. So I appreciate you tonight, uh, Ryan Gable. That's going to be it for right now. I have to do a couple of little housekeeping things before I end at 9 o'clock and start my book club for tonight. So I will, I'll I'll be listening to you later on, groundzero.radio, and uh, your link, thesecretteachings.info, the secret is in the description of this episode. So I hope you get a lot of, uh, a lot of traffic there tonight. I really appreciate that. Yeah, on the website, you'll find, uh, actually, if you look at the free archive, I have my last three Super Bowl shows that are all free to download. And then uh, tonight's show will be up there tomorrow morning at thesecretteachings.info. I'll give you listeners real quick, too, if you want to write down the phone number to call in tonight, it's going to be 503-225-0860. It's 503-225-0860. If you want to contact me directly, uh, rdgable at yahoo.com. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ryan. Have a great show tonight. Thank you. There Bye -bye. you go. There's Ryan Gable. Great. Great stuff. Okay, so uh, what is it, 839? I'm going to go into take a really, really quick, quick break. When we come back, I want to throw a little something in there that is going to make uh, better sense of the title of tonight's show. And yes, this is definitely going to be something that we're going to air, re-air on uh, on a Saturday night premiere on, on YouTube. This was perfect. Great way to start the week. All right. We will be right back. Don't go anywhere. Have a friend. You looking for a message board? Go to quitefrankly.tv and enter the forum. Engage with official show topic threads and start your own thread. 
get signed up. It's that easy. And it's not Reddit, it's the old sweat. For the forum, and so much more, it's quite frankly, .tv. Yeehaw. Frankie, this is it. This is all there is. You get a job, you make a living. You meet a girl, you get married, and you have kids. There's nothing else to it. Pop, this can't be it. Right? I mean, what if I want to do something else? Like what? I don't know. Will you quit asking me? Look how miserable. You're miserable. You are. You're miserable. You know what you got to do? You got to find yourself a hobby. Hobby? That's right. You got to get something that's going to give you pleasure. Like me and my lot. Get out! Get out! You little bastard! You gonna get out! Nuts! Don't hit the cat! The heat from his body's burning a hole in my lawn. Okay, so let's just jump into this. So here's a little something I want to throw out there. Because we're always talking about, and again, when I'm watching this yesterday, I'm making some observations. I'm texting certain people. I'm I'm not I'm not bludgeoning people. You know, Mike, my buddy Mike was here with his girlfriend, you know, Anthony, my parents, Lauren, the baby. Uh, our other buddy Mike May was here today uh, last night. You know, and, and my father Bill. It was a it was a nice uh, nice get together. And I wasn't. Did you see that? You know what that could have been? No, not at all. So, uh, but you know, on the other hand, there was a couple people I was texting. What do you think about this? This commercial joke, mostly jokes, but you know, it's one of those things where you you, you just see something and you. You spot what they're trying to do, and it's not—it's uh, not—it's not crazy. It's not unfounded. You just know what messages they're pushing. Now, the occulted, you know, public communications kind of, you know, a message to the world as far as greater hierarchies of power goes. That's something that we talk about synchronicity, synchronicity tonight, and how that all really uh, ties itself together. Over the course of time, okay, um, but there's really no mystery to why they're putting the things that we see in commercials in there. There's no mystery into what they're doing with identity politics and this and that, and and uh, why they have why they have uh, you know uh, alternate national anthems. Why we are living in a calendar year that has duplicates and parallel celebrations to everything that used to be communal communally american especially you know there has to be an inversion of everything an inversion of every faith an inversion of every patriotic holiday there has to be an inversion to that that is not a conspiracy theory that that is not a hallucination i should say because there's it's a conspiracy. There are people conspiring to pull people away from a common bond that was 
wholly and mutually beneficial for everybody, and they're instead getting fed hook, line, and sinker, a reality that's not going to help anyone. Because a house divided unto itself, um, well, you know the rest. Anywho, it brings this up. It brings this up with me. Um, where I was going to say, here's a here's a a piece from the boards that came around again a couple of days ago, and this was published in 2022. I remember we didn't talk about this on air, but I had this this screenshot. A lot of these things they pop off and. Depending on where you are spending a lot of time in your internet, on the internet, you'll find these screenshots and they'll, they're good. Somebody on 4chan wrote this on November 27, 2022. They said, there's a silent war happening between psychopaths and schizophrenics. Now you have to, you have to understand schizophrenics in this is, this is not a, not from a clinical standpoint so much. All right, schizos in board talk. This is just those who question, those who question everything and do a little bit of digging. Schizos and autists, they kind of go together where they don't just accept the official story. They want to check every nut and bolt until they find something that is not consistent. Um, there's a silent war happening between psychopaths and schizophrenics. We know that the population numbers are very small for both groups. However, one group is more likely to become CEOs. Those are psychopaths. And the other is more likely to become homeless. Schizos. This is because schizos are good at pattern recognition and can notice the psychos. Normies, which is the vast majority of everybody out there, no matter whether, that, whether or not they are you know, center left or center right, Normies are incapable of seeing psychopaths in front of them, and psychos relish and dominate because of this. Schizos are able to know them on an instinctual level and suss them out in a way that normies never could. Thus, there is a constant demoralization campaign against schizos from the tyrant psychos who seek to use the population against their greatest natural enemy. If you know, you know. If you understand, I only had to read that once and you're like, hmm, I feel that. Now, how does this move into everything else we're talking about tonight? Well, like I said before, you start thinking about how the normies are being used as weapons. People are weaponized so that they these greater, these greater uh, battles can be waged throughout society. And, um, and and that's really what it's all about. It's about being able to shield yourself behind a an, an ignorant collective human shield, a, a pretty much a, I don't know, yeah, I guess, I guess that's what it would be, to insulate yourself and to protect yourself behind a collective human shield of ignorant people. The lowest common denominator, as I was saying before, the lowest common denominator progressive especially when you start looking at these um, these halftime shows that are anything but diverse. There was not one white person on that stage last night. I mean, uh, you know, and in another timeline, a parallel timeline, I wouldn't, who, who would care? Just like in a parallel timeline, when you watch a sporting event and they say, 
Oh, I think it was last Super Bowl. They said, and now, oh wow, this is for the first time ever an all female fighter pilot flyover. <gasps> if that was in the 1990s, we'd be like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, all right. There's some, you know, our American girls are badass. Uh, we don't have the luxury of of being that comfortable without this shit anymore. We know what diversity means, and what they think they they say it means. We know what this is about. We know the war that's being waged. It's an all-out war. And for progressives, which is, that's really where a lot of this is coming from, the, the queen spider of it is actually, because they have a lot of collaborators, the lowest common denominator progressive out there, they see these goofy things as art, like that goofy halftime show as art, because it's born from the thought that through self-sacrifice and destroying one's own nation and, and, uh, self-loathing is whether especially if you are a white liberal and you carry this white guilt thing on your on your back they will they believe that through that they will elevate uh, oppressed non-white people okay people who progressives naturally view as broken and in need of saving this is what malcolm x was uh was was warning about with white liberals essentially so we get more of these goofy overtures that never match up with the oppression story. You know, a white supremacist nation would not be a place where an all-black group of performers would be up there getting worshipped at halftime at a game where most of the superstars and the rank and file are black. The same thing for the most of the actors and all the commercials in between breaks over there and in timeouts. I ha- and, and have it all be kicked off with these activist women baying at the moon with their so-called anthem. And we all know what that's about. Now, how can you be a preeminent cultural, corporate, and political power in the land and also be the most oppressed? And, And I stress cultural and corporate sponsored it makes no sense it's not possible and it's insidious it's an insidious plot that turns people into soldiers of fortune where you know they're they're either making out with with political kickbacks or they're becoming elevated in some other kind of societally uh privileged way and you because you're becoming you're temporarily being becoming a a beneficiary of all this treatment you're not really seeing what is being you know, how the board is being situated to kill us all. That's the real big thing here. But if you point out that all this stuff that we have going on around us is unnatural and it feels staged and pointedly and acceptably acceptably racist, then the armies of normies descend on you. They descend upon you, my friends. The normies who have been trained and bred and conditioned by the psychopath class to serve as enforcers for the dystopia that they are helping build. That's really what it is. You remember when we were reading Brave New World with Jay, uh, Jay Dyer, and we went through, obviously earlier on in Brave New World, you go through all the different types of genetic classes that people are designed into in that, in that very fixed and controlled society in Brave New World. You have the alphas and the gammas and the ypsilons. And, well, that is the same thing in the normie world. In the normie world, you have these beast of burden types, uh, different activist classes of people. And even though they're all very different in their purpose, 
they are all kind of conditioned to protect the system at all costs and to reject anything that comes and butts up against the system and, and runs contrary to it. It's 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 very very stark if you look at it. Genetically, we're all the same, at least for now. But you can see how everybody's kind of broken up into class, and they're all triggered by the same things. Eventually, because like I said before, I went to a Christmas party. I went to a Christmas party. I think last year or the year before. Friends of the family, they are all center right well-to-do Republican types. And they were horrified when they heard that I very confidently believed that the election was not legitimate and it was stolen. Like, you believe that it was stolen? These are people who voted for Trump twice and would vote for him again, but just believed he lost fair and square. I mean, this is this is what I'm talking about, ladies and gents. They, they will all, they will all, protect the system at all costs they will and the psychos use these normie hordes to seek out and crush their only true enemies the schizos those who see the scam for what it is diversity incorporated is a scam environmentalism incorporated is a scam lgbt incorporated is a scam now coming to terms with those things as being scams doesn't mean that you are a gay-bashing white supremacist who loves to pollute the earth. It doesn't mean that. But the psychos have trained the normies to believe that you are, and that's all that matters. That's the, uh, that's the hard part there. That's how they insulate themselves, and that's why it's so important to wake people up if there's a chance to do it at all. But it's a rough, it's a rough road, and most people are too far gone. Um, and then when you do get very close to making inroads with certain groups or bringing people together. There's always something that galvanizes and then destroys it all. I don't know. That's when all the distractions come out. That's when everybody gets called back to their, uh, you know how every Christmas time we talk about the truce, the Christmas truce, 1914, World War One, where you have the, the, the English and the German, they go out there and they're, they're kicking it's, it's Christmas morning there it's a it's an undeclared truce and they're all playing soccer and then all of a sudden they get called back by the sound of distant cannon fire and all those people who made fast friends with each other because ultimately they are just human beings and we have a lot more in common than we do uh different they had to say goodbye and merry christmas and made the i don't know best man win what do we have to win from all this warring? I always ask those questions. So um, perhaps I, I missed out on some stuff. Perhaps you think I've got something a little bit wrong or I went too far or didn't go far enough. You can email me because, of course, we're ending the show right now, and I'd love to hear from you. That's quite frankly, podcast at gmail or protonmail.com and uh or frank at quite frankly.tv it all goes to the same place now we have to make a new one to make our our mailing blasts a lot uh, a lot more efficient but that's that it all ties into the npc phenomenon too where we've been adding to that thread over the years npc behavior rears its head everywhere but it's it's very strong in the normie crowds so um yeah then maybe we can talk a little bit about some positive trolling that happened recently. 
I, we still have not talked about the dignify AI trolling that took all these scantily clad e-thought women and porn stars and actually put AI, AI, uh, they covered them up pretty much in modest clothing. It's incredible. It's incredible. The backlash is even more incredible. I'd like to talk about that tomorrow night because it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a, a snow day. And tomorrow night, I think we're going to be talking about creepy road trips, especially if it's in the snow. And I'll also bring up this AI thing so we could just take calls across the board. But for now, that's it for tonight. Thank you, Ryan Gable, thesecretteachings.info. He'll be on tonight with uh, Clyde Lewis. And um, I'll be listening to that at some point. But for now, I've got to do session six of seven of Lucifer's Hammer, the book club. So um, I will check you guys on the other side of that. Let me just run through these super chats real quick. Dooku Dan says, uh, an egregore, a non-physical entity, is created, energized by spectators' collective thoughts and lots of UFO invasion ads. Yes, there was a lot of that. One was directed by Spielberg, War of the Worlds, and Jeff Goldblum in a few ads, Independence Day. He was an alien, the fly, an asteroid city. Yeah, uh, they. Uh, I saw Marty Scorsese. Martin Scorsese had a, there, there was a UFO um, ad with there too. Jay Britt says, hey, Frank, has Ryan read any of Jonathan Kahn's book, books? Uh, you know, I can ask him that. I have to admit, maybe he has. I have Jonathan Kahn's latest book in here, though. Haven't finished it yet, but I'll get around to that. Thank you guys so much. Let's go over to the gold pills. Thank you, Winston. Thank you, Amethyst Cat, Cynthia. Uh, Tucker Dick, uh, Dixon says, Dark Jesus. Boys Blanc. Uh, Sean Joe. Let's see here. Paulie9363. Willie Fix It. Thank you, Willie. There's a lot of people getting bronze tier subscriptions. Buying them, gifting them, claiming them. Tomcat1, NJ. Disco Daphne. Chai Possum. Bacon Slut. Oh, by the way, we have the, the everybody else in my family met the new possum in, in the uh, in the neighborhood. Remember, I told you after the last snowstorm, sitting in front of the uh, the front front window, sipping my coffee at eleven thirty in the uh, at night, and I saw that thing walk all the way up these and go down somebody's uh, stuff. My uh, some family saw it in our uh, driveway the other night. Incredible. I say, oh, yeah, oh, I, I know. I know. I, I saw it move in. I saw the moving truck come down the street. Thank you, Bacon Slut. NJSF. Esther G says, I'm not allowing anyone to ruin my birthday. Is it your birthday tonight? Happy birthday, Esther. That's amazing. J Sim says, great show. Maybe all this makes sense as the algorithm of the universe. The Sentinel says, check out the really graceful's latest about the Super Bowl. Then look at the U.S. Mafia map and NFL locations. Paulie9363 says, well, I, well I, I love Grace, and if that's out there, I'll definitely check it out later. Paulie says, well, I'm not a normie, and I'm not a schizo, so thanks, Frank. You're not a schizo? Are you sure? What are you watching this show for? Duda Man says, awesome summation and great flow as usual. Thank you, Duda. And D-Daled. Uh, too easy to live in your false realities without being uncomfortable. In your false realities without being uncomfortable. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, it takes conditioning. It takes conditioning. It really does. All right, guys and gals, that's all for tonight. I wish you well. And for those of you who are about to jump in with us into book club, I'll see you there in a couple of minutes. Get into the Valentine's Day thread. That's for Wednesday night. You got two days to briefly tell me about your weird love story. That's that. All right. Thank you so much. Good night. Catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is film before a live studio audience. And now our super chatters, starting with Dooku Dan, Jay Brits, Valsky, and Dooku Dan. That's it. Thank you all so much for the gold pills. I'm releasing the scratching, and I will see you for. The book club momentarily. Bye bye. sleep with my wife.